Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. <coughs> oh, we started with Johnny Cough rather than anything else. Um, usually, <laughs> I'd go, yeah, usually I'd go welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, but um, we'll just start with Johnny's Coughing. Johnny, how are you, mate? All good. It is all good. All good. Still shredding for holiday, wedding, uh, honeymoon. Yeah, only ten weeks to go now. Yeah. Is it? Is that all? Yeah, started getting like started getting extreme a bit now for ten weeks to see how, see how far I can take it. Break first, then go extreme. Come on, do it sensibly. Break first. Yeah, you've been dieting for about four years straight. Surely you need a diet break by now. No, yeah, I've, I've done it quite slow. Like I've had a couple of breaks in between, so I'll. Uh, all right. Quite hard now. Just. Just do stupid months of cardio and just live on dust. It's always a sensible way. <laughs> um, okay, well, glad to see you're still here and you haven't wasted away into to nothing. So, um, two hundred pound. Still over two hundred pound. Yeah. You, what did you start on just before we do move on? Because this is obviously boring for the other person in the room listening. But it was a poundage. I'm just like, I mean, takes me two seconds. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, Johnny. Uh, 235. 235. 235. In four years, that's, that is slow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, joke. Um, cool, good. Good to hear. Right, um, as I alluded to, and you'll already know because you've seen, I'm sure, from the title of this episode, we do have another uh, guest today. Um, for me, this is a guest really, really welcome to have on um, for a couple of reasons. One, just to thank you because she reached out to us about a topic I know nothing about. Um, so as soon as I got the offer, she will probably, well, hopefully she'll confirm, but I was like, yes, please come on. That would be amazing because hopefully I'm going to learn a lot today. So that's basically the other thing that I'm hopefully going to learn a lot today. As I'm sure you will, Johnny, right? Oh, 100%. I know nothing about the subject. No. So so to, um, to for the context, I asked Johnny about any sp- specific or particular questions that he wanted to ask and the answer was i know nothing about nothing so i'm not going to ask anything <laughs> um but today no question to ask no well yeah i'm sure i'm sure as you learn more or as yeah. we learn more we will come up with more questions so um so today we do have uh dr jenna machoki and nearly okay. forgot i nearly <laughs> forgot already um, sorry, pre-call we were having a conversation about the uh, pronunciation of um, Jenna's surname because I knew full well I was never going to get it right and I still nearly didn't but I'm, I'm reasonably pleased with that attempt yeah that was pretty good pretty good <laughs> good well how are you yeah I'm really good I'm actually a, a bit hoarse because I've been doing so much talking recently um, so I've got my little cup of tea but I'm sure I'll be fine good good you sound all right so that's good yeah that's <laughs> so not too hoarse um cool so for those that don't know anything about you um because um i can't remember i think i started following you a few months back um i have a feeling i think richie Kerwin may have posted something of yours or or something oh don't, don't maybe you, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and i think that's when i was like oh she looks interesting to follow. So, as in terms of like the, oh. the, top, the topic of the type of stuff you put out. So, I've been following on my personal account for um, a little while. Um, I must admit, 
this I am going off on a little tangent, but we tend to do this on this podcast. Um, <laughs> there was a conversation I was having with someone not so long back, maybe a month or so ago, around this topic of inflammation. Um, mm-hmm. And I was desperately thinking to myself, I'm sure I followed someone that Richie posted that had posted something about this. And I was desperately trying to find, and I have to apologize because I could not remember who, who you were or who it was specifically. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, it's really bad of me. So firstly, I want to apologize. Um, please don't think bad of me. Um, but obviously I've gone through a lot of your content since, and you know, it's brilliant content. And I'm so glad that you reached out because as I say, this is a topic I think that for a lot of people is widely misunderstood um, and widely misrepresented for want of a better word. Um, so today, obviously, we want to talk about information. So before we do that, though, for those that don't know you, do you want to let people know whatever it is you want to know about you? Super, yeah. Um, that's really interesting. I didn't know that you were following me. It's always yes. quite exciting when that happens. I've got, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have been listening to the podcast. In fact, the reason I reached out because you did a podcast about injuries and I just smashed my shoulder four months ago. So I was like kind of interested in injuries. Probably thought thought everything we were saying was like not really correct because we, I think, I'm sure you'll, you'll, well, on that episode, I think we had enough caveats to say, we're not entirely sure this is completely evidence-based, but we did our best. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, we're grand. So I am, as you said, Jenna Machoki. I'm an immunologist. So that's basically someone that studies the immune system. Um, and I started that out back in 20 years ago at the University of Glasgow, um, where I did my undergraduate there in the medical school and focused on immunology. And then I've just stayed in the field ever since because I'm just, I don't know, have a endless passion for understanding the immune system and all of its kind of nuances and I think there's never been a more exciting time to to work in this field so I'm currently a lecturer at the University of Sussex and there I teach um, medical students, pharmacy students, biomedical science, biochem, all the kind of life sciences students about the immune system so I teach a lot about inflammation um, from all the basics to more clinical settings as well and yeah it's a really hot topic it's I feel like what you said is pretty accurate like it's really misconstrued and it's the latest kind of buzzword in the wellness sphere that people need to be taking care of their inflammation and and you get all sorts of stuff on dr google about inflammation that was i think partly the reason i started my instagram because i was like people are talking so much shit (laughs) and um where do they get this from so maybe i can just start to drip out little bits and bobs of what i do is you know my day-to-day life yeah but yeah so i guess with inflammation maybe we just sort of start with the basics um like i said it is a really big topic so Obviously, I'm going to caveat that, you know, if there are people who are listening who have studied this topic, then they're going to realise I'm trying to keep it at a level that's accessible for everyone. Um, But yeah, just if you have any specific questions or anything, just let me know. Um, But I, I sort of think of it as, you know, everything from a paper cut to a heart attack um, to twisting your ankle to getting a sore throat there's going to be inflammation involved and if you think about any any time that that's happened to you you'll be really familiar with some of the features of inflammation so it's got these key signs of pain redness heat swelling and sometimes losing the function of the affected 
um, tissue or, or organ. And it's a meticulously orchestrated process. So it's, it's this hugely sort of crafted throughout evolution process that, that basically tries to protect us. It's um, happening thousands of times uh, in our lives. And most of the time it will res resolve and we don't even know that it's happened. So it's not just this kind of um, trying to reject and, and get rid of anything that's damaging our body, but it's also part of the resolution process as well. And I think this is really something that wasn't before understood. So we always kind of think of it as rejecting something that our body doesn't want. So an infection or um, when you have some, you know, a wound or damage to your tissues um but it's it's a whole complete process it's like a complete cyclic pr process from that first trigger all the way to the resolution and bringing that tissue or that part of the body back to um homeostasis and i think that it's really important to mention that inflammation is not like a binary on and off switch so a lot of people seem to talk about any a lot of facets of the immune system as being like an on off um, but it's really kind of this whole, imagine you have like a whole football team, every player has a different role and it's really about the efficiency of how that whole team is working. So it's how about how that team is going to bring it back to, 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 to baseline. So getting the affected tissue back to baseline. So inflammation will depend on a lot of things. It's going to depend on where in the body it's happening. What is the stimulus? that's triggering it um, and a whole bunch of other things in between that we'll maybe get into as we go through. But I think one of uh, maybe an easy way to think about it is, um, you know, if you, if you were to cut your finger and you get that redness and swelling, um, what's going on in that tissue that's causing that? You've got resident immune cells that are in those tissues all over your body, every nook and cranny of your body has resident immune cells that are always, always surveying the environment and they're looking for changes to the homeostasis. They're looking for things going wrong. And as soon as they detect something, then they're going to start this cascade that leads to the bringing in more immune cells, um, bringing in all the associated mediators that are going to try and remove whatever the damaging thing is and um, bring the tissue back to normal. And I think this is really important because people often think that inflammation is just kind of switched on and off depending on your lifestyle, on your diet. But we need really key molecular patterns to switch on inflammation. And this either comes from um, infections. So you can imagine that bacteria, viruses, um, parasites, these all look different to our own tissues. So it's quite easy for the immune system to say, oh, hey, that's not supposed to be there. Um, and then it will turn on this whole inflammatory cascade. But um, what, what, uh, maybe a good example to use is when I um, smashed my shoulder four months ago, my whole arm was inflamed. It was um, swollen and uncomfortable, but I didn't have any broken skin. So there was no bacteria in there. There was no um, anything to make that tissue swell up. And inflammation can be triggered not only by infection, but also by damage. So when we damage our own tissues and the cells get smashed up, bits that are inside those cells are going to spew out into the surrounding environment. 
And that's going to send a signal to your immune system, those cells that are there surveying all parts of the tissue, that something is not right and that it needs to call in backup. It needs to bring in more cells and to try and restore the tissue back to normal. So we can have these damage associated molecular patterns, we call them. So patterns of damage in our tissue. And then we can also have pathogen associated ones. So any kind of bacterial infection or a virus that's going to easily switch on inflammation. So there is kind of these checks and balances that we don't just switch on inflammation for no apparent reason. There's got to be a real kind of context around what's going to turn the immune system on to um, cause this huge inflammatory cascade. And the reason that it has to be highly controlled is because it's these cells are going to rush to the site. So the, the immune system is going to recruit lots more cells from your bloodstream. And that's why you get the swelling. And these cells are going to start mopping up any bacteria that are there. They're going to start mopping up any dead and damaged cells that are there from whatever the injury is. And by doing so, they actually spit out a lot of um, oxidative substances and lots of enzymes and lots of proteases and stuff that actually chew up the tissue as part of the repair. But at the same time, that's going to cause a bit of collateral damage to our own tissues. And this is where you get into the kind of inflammation's bad territory, because it does have this potential to damage our own tissues. And this is why I think inflammation by design is um, a, a short term process. Like it's only ever meant to be short term because it can be really damaging to our own tissues. Um, so you have these cells being recruited to the site where an injury's happened or there's an infection, and this sort of starts a clock. So you have these neutrophils that are rushing in. These are the white blood cells that are first recruited. And ab about six hours after the injury or the infection, they start just dying because they've done their job. Uh, and if they die in a way that's very organized, then a second round of cells comes in and clears all this, and it's very neat and tidy. And this will start the resolution process. Sometimes that doesn't happen and you don't either have enough of these neutrophils coming or they're not cleared quick enough. And they start to undergo necrosis, which is basically they're just dying in a really messy fashion. And they're spitting out all the contents um, that are inside them. And this is extremely inflammatory because it has all these oxidizing substances and all these sort of proteases that are chopping up our own tissues. These are meant to be killing the thing that's caused the injury, but actually they just end up causing way more damage. And this causes like secondary wave of inflammation because there's even more damage occurring to your own tissue. So you start to see this kind of cycle um, uh, that happens. And um, this this resolution phase just never really quite uh, gets to take effect. So I guess, yeah, if I kind of, I've gone off on a big rant, I don't know if you want to um, jump in or anything. Yeah, or so well, keep, uh... it's not, def <laughs> definitely not a rant. It's really useful uh, to hear kind of like some of the, uh, like the processes, I guess just for me to make sure I understand and maybe to just to kind of recap for listeners. So, in terms of like inflammation in the way you've described it, these are processes yeah. that are what you maybe say positive. They are a, basically a functioning part yeah. of the body. So they, they are basically, like you said, either damage or pathogen related, I think you said, didn't you? 
Yeah. So, so yeah. obviously an injury or potentially like I don't know. Did you use I don't know if you did use it or whether I was just thinking it in my head when you used the word pathogen, but like um, a splinter or something in your. Did you use that or did I have I? Yeah, if you if you were if there was some bacteria that were you know if you pierced your skin then they got underneath yeah. then definitely. So so the point. Um, or, so, you know, sorry, go on. Go on. I was going to say a sore throat or anything like this, and I think it's really important that you say that this this is highly conserved throughout all um, mammalian species, and it's I think that's a testament to how important it is to our survival. Like we know there's a lot of potential collateral damage, but it's so vital that if we didn't have it, we would have died out as a species by now. So for sure. So yeah. So I just want to kind of reiterate that obviously that what you're saying is it is a required function of the human body to make sure we survive. Um, yeah. And obviously, like you say, if it doesn't happen, you get the secondary wave information, which obviously helps clear again. Um, so that all sounds great but obviously a lot of people then hear the words inflammation and sorry I'll I'll reword that a lot of people use the word inflammation as if it's a really (laughs) really bad thing and I'm kind of more going down along the lines of dietary inflammation um if that's the correct term now how how does that kind of fit in because um I guess there's a lot of Oh, I was going to say, um, so I guess the example I've given already is kind of what happens when inflammation happens normally. And it's a very short term process. You know, if you get a sore throat, you have the swelling for a few days or if you have an injury, you have the, you know, the swelling is happening very early on. And then, you know, around sort of three to five days, that swelling starts to when you get uh, the resolution and the remodeling of the tissue and this can actually happen um, for up to 18 months depending on the injury where you get all the collagen being put down and these inflammatory cells are actually um, directing that process as well so um, how badly the first round of inflammation is and how damaged the tissue is will determine how long it takes to resolve um, and go back to normal um, and I think that's the kind of acute setting but obviously inflammation can be chronic and it can be a long-term problem and it can um cause uh, or it is in many conditions um i think before i kind of dive into chronic inflammation i would say that you know when inflammation resolves normally and smoothly a tissue can go back to normal and you wouldn't even know that um anything had happened but sometimes it sort of ends badly because it's a very complicated process so there's so much that can go wrong um and this you know if you've ever had an injury yourself you know that it sometimes the tissue never returns to how it should be so i think inflammation is one of our best weapons at keeping as well but it's imperfect um and when we start to think of it in that sense, we realise that it can become chronic or it can be persistent. Uh, and then that's when it actually starts to incur damage on our own, t- own tissues. But it's not um, a specific disease in itself. It's a mechanistic process that seems to be involved in many diseases. So if we think of all the things, acute inflammation setting, when you have a chronic disease, all of that's happening, but 
intermittently over a long period of time. And if you've ever had an injury that's healed badly or a scar that's not uh, ever resolved, you're left with this fibrotic scar tissue. And that's because for whatever reason, the processes haven't returned to normal. And if you imagine low level chronic inflammation happening all over your body, it's going to occur tiny amounts of damage, like an oxidative stress in all of your organs and tissues all over your body over a prolonged period of time, which is why it's probably feeding into many um, chronic uh, diseases. Okay. So, I mean, in terms of, you were, th- you were mentioning earlier about diet or purely because i suppose obviously this is nutrition podcast but yeah the in nutrition especially when people Mm -hmm. use the word inflammation it's almost always associated with negative um, connotations so i suppose i've got a couple of questions one are there any aspects of like inflammation due to someone's diet that are positive in the same way we talk about like the, the inflammatory response to injury and other stuff where it's obviously part of the healing process it, do we have mm-hmm. similar responses when we, to our diet um or is it something that we just basically should be trying to avoid all inflammation through our intake of food yeah i think i mean i think that's probably something that everybody's um talking about concerned about uh so your first part was about ways that you can positively well, influence just, in, inflammation um well i suppose that's kind of like my if if inflammation is bad in, mm-hmm. into, and I suppose again just kind of referring to specifically dietary inflammation yeah. is that even the right phrase is, is there another phrase for I mean inflammation caused by the food you eat is that, is that... probably I'd just say lifestyle would be better okay. because um, or sometimes they call it metabolic inflammation because okay. it's sort of into yeah and these sort of metabolic processes okay. um, it's just because obviously as I say, it, when when people talk about information in the nutrition industry, it's always a case of mm-hmm. information is bad. You want to reduce as much as possible. Now, I want to kind of, I suppose, explore that statement in you know how yeah. valid how valid that is, and obviously, if it is valid, how much should we worry about it? And is there is any there, way you can kind you of reduce the information or any specific foods or diets that you could possibly? You could pos- Sorry, you cut out there. Sorry, as you said, so it is, if, if inflammation is bad, are there any specific diets that we can kind of follow to reduce that as much as possible or, or remove kind of inflammation? Yeah. Um, so I think the first thing to say is that we cannot just focus on diet. Um, and uh, when we talk about diet, it's perhaps not the way people might interpret diet and inflammation. Um so, I mean, inflammation obviously got a bad reputation, but it has many important effects, as we've covered. Um, I would say that the, in terms of uh, inflammation and diet, I mean, I don't know how, how best to put this. Basically, the, the biggest thing that's going to make you in a some sort of chronic inflammatory state from your diet is if you're just in a positive energy balance for like a consistently long period of time um, because then your body is going to be storing that excess energy your your fat cells are going to be 
becoming enlarged. And we know if you are in a, a calorie surplus and quite a, a high cal calorie surplus, you, your fat cells become sort of engorged. And your white adipose tissue, your, your white fat tissue, um, is actually an immunologically active part of the immune system, just the same way as we consider muscle tissue. Um, and you might have heard of adipokines and myokines. And these are basically what we call the immune system communication uh, molecules, which are cytokines, when they're coming from either the fat tissue or the muscle tissue. And so they kind of have this opposing um, effect. Um, so when you're storing all this excess energy as fat, you're basically um, increasing your visceral fat stores. Your fat cells are going to become enlarged. And this is a type of stress. This is a type of um, danger pattern that the tissue's not in homeostasis anymore. And this um, leads to release of cytokines, so these immune system communication molecules, um, including one in particular, which is IL-6. You might be familiar with that maybe from like muscle hypertrophy and that kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe it's, yeah, not something that not, you've heard of. But anyway, not IL-6. Not specifically, but... I'll six interleukin six. This um, when it comes from fats, it actually promotes the development of insulin resistance, um, and inflammation in itself is a type of insulin resistance. So I think many years ago, when when people had sepsis, they were first um, noticed that they had um, problems with insulin and blood sugar regulation. So inflammation makes lots of um, glucose available for your body because inflammation is a metabolically very active uh, process so it needs you know um, access to all that uh, sugar so that it can fuel the fire that's not to say that sugar is going to switch on inflammation but it's it's metabolically active so when you're consuming over consuming calories you also get this insulin resistance um, and it's caused by the same molecule this il6 molecule which is one of the molecules your tissues will produce if you damage them or you get an infection so it's an inflammatory cytokine and this whole process can be exacerbated by changes in the blood lipid profile so uh, if you have high cholesterol or eating a lot of saturated fat um and this you would have lots of fatty acids floating around in, in the blood this is going to activate receptors on your immune cells and perpetuate inflammation further so you're going to have a chronic low level of you're in a, a consistent calorie surplus and i think there's probably something to be said for what what makes people be in a, in a eating you know overeating it's probably because of the type of food they're eating so we know that if we eat highly processed foods um i think they call it ultra processed food um that is very easy to eat so there's not a lot of fiber in there um it's very salty fatty um sweet and basically we can over consume calories very easily and this has been linked to low grade inflammation in the body can can i just um so just just on that that if you go into like google mm. and you type in inflammation um it'll kind of talk about certainly in information and food say it'll talk about things like certain foods are inflammatory and it'll say usually it'll come up with things like you know your typical junk foods so yeah kind of on what you're saying is it is it is it a case of that those foods are inflammatory or is it a case of maybe that 
those types of foods cause you to overeat, might cause you to eat consistently in an energy surplus, and therefore you develop this insulin type resistance because of you know the the inflammation that then causes, rather than the foods themselves being inflammatory. Yeah, I don't think we really have evidence that that a specific food itself is inflammatory. I do know that um, saturated fat can switch on particular molecular pathways in immune cells that turn on inflammation. And we obviously know saturated fat is something that um, we should sort of limit. Then in terms of sugar, I think that poorly controlled blood sugar can perpetuate inflammation so we know that in um in diabetics you know if it's poorly controlled diabetes then that can uh trigger particular inflammatory pathways in the body um so i guess it's not sugar per se but like blood there is some scientific studies that are you know test tubes uh that show that sugar can you know increase the inflammatory potential of certain immune cells but it's very tricky to look at that in in humans and you know just feed humans sugar and see what happens mm. um so we don't have the direct evidence so it's probably a combination of you know over consuming calories or or you know having too much um, visceral fat stores uh and the types of food that are associated with that are normally the ones that are very easy to eat and highly processed and yeah. that kind of thing so on that as well then so if someone is saying oh here send away some form of um sample and we will test you for certain types of foods that are inflammatory or kind of um you may, may potentially be allergic to and they refer to things like igg tests so they're considered inflammatory markers um is- uh, yeah and some to some degree perhaps yeah it's I, yeah, most of it's bollocks, I'd say, like, um, I'd, I've not come across any, uh, in fact, you know, some, there's several different types of IgG, and some of them are actually markers of tolerance to foods. Um, so I think that if you've got a list of like, you know, 150 foods that are, you, this test has told you that you're, that are inflammatory in your body, then it's, yeah, complete nonsense. Okay. It might actually mean that those are just foods that you've been exposed to in your life. And you've got, you know, antibodies, which is what an IgG is, it's an antibody uh, that are telling, you know, to just tell your body that that's something you've been exposed to um but okay. not necessarily doing anything good I, I i thought that was the case however i thought i'd ask the question in case you're going to tell me i'm wrong because i may <laughs> well have been <laughs> um yeah i'd love to be able to say there was an easy way to measure inflammation but unfortunately there's not i mean you can measure acute inflammation easily so if you got really sick um or you know had a serious bacterial infection and you could quickly look in your blood and there's many markers that are produced in the liver in response to the inflammatory molecules that your immune cells are producing that are going to shoot up really high um c-reactive protein crp maybe that's one that you've heard of mm-hmm. um and this is uh, you know something that's seen very fast after you know uh, you get that first danger signal or the first sort of pathogen signal. But in terms of this kind of low-grade chronic inflammation, unfortunately, there are no highly effective lab um, ways to measure this. Uh, And normally assessing patients for chronic inflammation is only when they're being diagnosed for another medical condition. So it might be like 
they present with type 2 diabetes or heart disease or you know it's linked into something else and then um the whole picture the whole diagnosis that they would say okay there's probably some inflammation going on in the blood um sort of you can do high sensitivity crp but again you know crp is going to ebb and flow during the day different times of the day you get you could measure probably inflammatory markers in the blood after you eat a large meal so it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got chronic inflammation it's just that you had a really big meal and that leads to transient inflammation a couple of hours after eating so um yeah we really don't have any good ways to to measure it currently which is probably where a lot of the confusion comes from because that gives people free reign to make crazy claims about things that aren't true yeah that's that's the worry really in fact that it's not well understood and then people will you know we've seen people jump on the bandwagon Mm -hmm. and, and try and kind of carve their own little niche around something to sell a product or yeah. a, you know a diet or you know, <laughs> something anti-inflammatory training programs <laughs> which is probably yeah. a, bit an oxy, a bit of an oxymoron but <laughs> maybe i'm missing a trick <laughs> yeah. um, um go on. sorry i was, uh, was going to say so in terms of the, the flip side of that what is anti-inflammatory that's probably something that people are also quite curious about because you see a list and list of foods that are um, anti-inflammatory and blah 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 and I think um, you know it's it's really hard to look at these in humans Uh, a lot of the study I mean it's quite easy to look in a test tube and find out if something's anti-inflammatory but uh, translating that to what's happening in a human when everything's much more publicly complicated is really hard studies are uh, reported in the press is almost always misleading because there's always the sensational headline about you know what you should and shouldn't be eating um but i think there's yeah there's a few kind of key things that you could think about um we often talk about anti-inflammatory but i'd probably say that what we should focus on is pro-resolution so in those first kind of 24 hours when the immune system started to do its job and then it's got triggered and inflammation pathways have started to happen you actually then want to have what's called the eicosanoid switch so it's a switch from pro-inflammatory to anti-inflammatory and it actually is pro-resolving and it's a real active process that quenches the inflammation and um, the omega-3 fatty acids are probably the best known to uh, be involved in this pro-resolution switch. So they're kind of the raw materials that are needed to um, bring the whole process down and uh, get everything back to, to homeostasis. So they, they're involved in this switch from pro-inflammatory to anti-inflammatory. Is this why the Mediterranean um, diet is often kind of spouted or, or kind of the, one of the first things recommended for like inflammation or, or to be anti-inflammatory yes i mean this is probably one of the key components of the mediterranean diet because it tends to be higher in these um, omega-3 fats but i think you know there's been a few different trials where they've been looking at omega-3s and uh, in the context of chronic inflammatory conditions like heart disease. And I think it's, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch because 
giving fish oils doesn't just magically kind of resolve these unruly inflammatory pathways that might be going on in a person um, because fish oils themselves can be oxidized when they're in people to uh, things like neuroprostanes and these can be a bit problematic. So you have to have a lot of antioxidants in the diet as well. So you kind of have to have it hand in hand um, and have sort of adequate antioxidant status as well uh, for the, the fatty acids to then be able to do their pro-resolving job. And I think that kind of just plays to the whole uh, anti-inflammatory diet as being exactly that. It's like the holistic diet. It's not just about individual components um, because some foods will contain both anti-inflammatory and pro-inflammatory components, but it kind of, it's the context in which you're eating them. Um, and you've got your whole list of the phytonutrients. So these bioactive compounds that we find in fruit and vegetables, um, curcumin, uh, resveratrol, uh, you know, flavonoids, indole-3-carbonyls. So I mean, there's 20-odd thousands of these uh, compounds that have been discovered, and they work through a whole pathways to help promote uh, an anti-inflammatory environment, and they have antioxidant potential, so they're quenching some of these oxidative uh, pathways that happen during inflammation but you know they, they they work holistically so universally when people seem to try these as supplements they don't give the effects that they want in these diseases because it seems to be the holistic uh you know the whole diet so eating a diet rich in lots of phytonutrients so that's from all your plant-based foods as well as the omega-3 fats that are going to help keep inflammation uh, at a level where it should be. Um, and I think the other thing is fiber. So people forget about fiber, but fiber is like such an important anti-inflammatory uh, part of your diet. It's actually going to be digested by your microbiome. So your diet is probably only as ever as good as your microbiome. And some of the components that fiber is broken down into by your microbiome are going to produce these things called short chain fatty acids. And these actually nurture promotion of the regulatory cells of the immune system and um, things called Tregs. These uh, infiltrate fat tissue and keep the fat in an anti-inflammatory state. Um, and they stop it sort of switching over into this pro-inflammatory state that I mentioned earlier. So you really want to be getting a good amount of fiber, um, not just from, you know, bran flakes, but fiber as in all different plant foods, um, all your different phytonutrients that are found within those plant foods, and then the good fats as well. And I think if that's your diet most of the time, then you're going to be fine. You know, it's uh, probably people are really worried about inflammation when they probably have a great diet. I think the people that maybe need to be worried about inflammation but are not aware of it are in certain um, socioeconomic groups where, you know, the food that's available to them and their environment are these sort of highly processed foods. So they're consistently eating, you know, this kind of diet and then they're not getting all the kind of um, anti-inflammatory type properties of something like a Mediterranean diet. So just think of those types of like socioeconomic profiles of people. So mm -hmm. not just their food 
Um, and I, I suppose actually this could really apply to him. But if if people are suffering from kind of chronic inflammation, mm-hmm. you kind of mentioned I think at the start that obviously there's more to to this than just diet. There's other things that are involved. Oh would, yeah. Would other, yeah. Would other things like stress, sleep, and some of the other kind of like the the well being angles that someone like ourselves practitioners in in kind of mm-hmm. fitness would look at are they other things that would kind of exacerbate or be linked to inflammation as well? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the biggest um, or the most important things is exercise. So exercise is actually massively anti-inflammatory. It's probably one of the best anti-inflammatory weapons that we have. Um, And it's because when we're working our skeletal muscles, we're producing these uh, myokines. So they're sort of the immune system molecules when they're coming from the muscle, they're, they're referred to as myokines instead of cytokines. But the same ones that are being produced by our muscles that I mentioned earlier, so IL-6 that's often produced by fat that can be pro-inflammatory. When IL-6 is produced by our muscles when we're working out, it's actually anti-inflammatory. So it's really interesting that it kind of depends on the context in which your body's producing these things, where they're coming from. So if you're you know, having a sedentary lifestyle and eating the wrong foods, then you're producing IL-6 from your fat tissue. Whereas if you're exercising and you have a lot of um, lean body mass, then you're producing IL-6 from your muscles. This is helping your muscles grow uh, and develop, but it's also um, switching on lots of anti-inflammatory pathways. Um, so it's it's really kind of interesting. And also when we work our muscles, we upregulate the glute, um, so the glucose transporters on the surface, and this is going to actually suck in any excess glucose and help regulate our blood sugar. It's going to help activate um, lipolysis in the fat tissue. It's going to help us dispose of glucose better, improve fat oxidation, so it gives us better chance of having a healthy body mass um, and the fact that we do have is going to be full of lots of regulatory T cells as well. So it's kind of, I don't know, I think you can't say too much about the benefits of of physical activity. Um, I I think what it definitely says is exercise is more than just burning calories. Because yes, obviously it's going to help you remain in energy balance or, you know, kind of maintain a good body weight. But there is definitely something to be said and hugely underrated in terms of the actual pro health benefits that just exercise has regardless of weight yeah definitely i mean i think that's definitely something that i i mean i've always loved exercise i trained as a fitness instructor years ago and you know it's like big big part of my life but now i'm like i want to be able to you know run around with my grandkids and and be healthy when i'm 80 be promoting exercise for like longevity feeling good all the time and Mm. um you know it plays such an important role in our metabolism uh and our energy and it's it's um it's actually you know if you are over consuming calories and then you suffer from obesity and you're maybe not feeling good then you're not going to maybe feel like you can work out and then you can suffer from sarcopenia and there's like something called sarcopenic obesity which is a thing that happens specifically in obesity and so it's kind of a self-perpetuating um negative cycle um and you know exercise also helps the level at which our inflammation is triggered so actually you know if you think of it as um 
you know, if you've got a low threshold, then you're going to be triggered to switch on inflammation very easily. But exercise is going to raise that threshold. So it's take your body has to work harder before it's going to switch on inflammation. So I think that's really, really, really important. So just correct me if I'm phrasing this wrong, but inflammation, so chronic inflammation is bad um, mm-hmm. for in a very general term. Um, inflammation itself might cause some problems in certain things, whether it's kind of uh, negative health outcomes, metabolic dis- um, issues, kind of might even be mm-hmm. in more physical ailments in aches, pains and other stuff, right? Um, however, that doesn't mean inflammation so it doesn't mean like inflammation is necessarily the cause it maybe is more a marker or a side effect and maybe the, yeah so i'm just trying to I'm, I'm just trying to see if i understand this properly so and so therefore like trying to almost treat inflammation specifically as like inflammation being the problem when in reality maybe the problem is the things causing inflammation so the food you are eating your weight yeah and maybe all of the other things is that is that fair yeah, I think so. I, I think the field is really kind of working hard to try and delineate if, you know, the cause and effect with inflammation. It, it's Because it's difficult to measure, it, it's hard for us to know if chronic inflammatory diseases have inflammation upstream that is then causing, you know, that to happen, uh, or whether it's just sort of a symptom of other things going wrong in the body. Um, so I think, you know, one more thing to sort of consider when we talk about diet that is really an emerging field is that perhaps it's not exactly what we're eating, like the specific nutrients, but um, we know that your metabolism can really play into it. So there's a real kind of recent emergence in this field called immunometabolism, uh, and it seems that you know, we know already that when you have inflammation going on, so you're sick or you have a sore throat or fever, your body is going to shift away from an oxidative phosphorylation towards a glycolysis. Uh, you know, the Warburg effect, which is the way that cancer goes, this actually happens in your immune cells when they're undergoing inflammation. So that's perfectly normal when you have a short-term inflammation going on. It's just a way for those cells to have a quick uh, energy source. But this seems to be playing into chronic diseases. So we know that when people have metabolic problems and they struggle to maybe, um, you know, to, to, uh, to switch fuel sources and stuff and their body's not very able at doing this, this might be feeding into chronic inflammation as well. So, um Again, it comes down to sort of blood sugar um, controlled. In the- so I think we need to also think about metabolism, people's overall metabolism, as well as what they're eating uh, as being something that could be um, causing them problems in, uh, in terms of chronic inflammation. And then a few other things that you mentioned was sleep and stress. And I think sleep's like the massive one. It's like, you know, the the base of what everything else of your health is going to sit upon um, because melatonin is the the sort of sleepy hormone the one that um, we start it starts to rise in our body when it gets dark and this is in itself anti-inflammatory and it's an antioxidant 
So if we don't get that melatonin uh, rising properly and get the same amount, then we're missing out on that when we're sleeping. And I think also when you have poor sleep, I don't know about you as a parent, I quite often have poor sleep, but the next day you're perhaps uh, a little bit more frayed and you're more likely to eat and drink the wrong things because you're tired and you're just looking for that um, energy hit. So it's, again, kind of self-perpetuating cycle. This is why Johnny's been dieting for four years because he had to start that early. <laughs> having, yeah. having a child. I remember when she was first born, I was eating cereal. I was going to fashion because she was up like 10 times a night. I was just eating cereal. Oh, yeah. I was like, quick, just get in. I was getting like two and a half stone. <laughs> it's like a survival, yeah. It's so easy. <laughs> funny thing, is, funny thing is, I prepped for a photo shoot through the first months of summer's but, uh, life, so what can I say? Wow. <laughs> you good well, I mean, when my twins were like three months old, I, I became a fitness instructor because I was like, I can't go back to work. No one will take me seriously. <laughs> But I was like working out and um, with my kids, with the, these two babies, and uh, and I got to know a fitness instructor who encouraged me to do this. So <laughs> I uh, guess, yeah. Well, if you've seen any anything in the bodybuilding uh, sphere of late in terms of the this fascination with weighted vests and stuff, because um, James, <laughs> James Krieger obviously did this uh, case study. I think it's probably the best way to describe it. Case study about um, Eric Lee Salazar wearing a weighted vest during a bodybuilding prep and the seen some remarkable apparently um not non-adaptation is probably the best way phrase for it in terms of non-dieting adaptation so maybe that is the way forward you know just strap your babies to you and just have that constantly yeah (laughs) that was me for about two years (laughs) that's some two two years what and twins as well that's some weight (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, so Going back to obviously the information thing, then. So, I th- so maybe this is a good place to round up, unless you've got kind of more to add, which you might have. But I, I, I'm trying to think about right. Okay, what actionable things can we leave people to, to kind of yeah like, think about? Because g- given that we've kind of said that you should you know, tackling information specifically or directly with things like anti-inflammatory foods is probably not the most efficacious or you know kind of optimal way of doing it what can they do yeah well i think it, it, it yeah if you're thinking about acute inflammation and chronic as two sort of separate things um if you're thinking about chronic inflammation anti-inflammatory drugs are not going to work um that's probably just the the first thing to put out there I've, I've seen that online as well that people have been like you know trying to myth bust about chronic inflammation but at the same time going you know we don't need an anti-inflammatory diet because you there's anti-inflammatory drugs and i'm thinking well you just pop ibuprofen long long term prob- very problematic um even short term because they actually inhibit the, the pro-resolving aspect of inflammation so you actually have a worse outcome yeah. even if, if you have an injury or something it, yeah. it's not recommended now can, can um, I, so can i just associate that with i guess training outcomes because there's a lot of research yeah. showing obviously the effect of antioxidants post-training um reducing yeah. the effects of things like hypertrophy and other stuff yeah. is that what you're kind of referring to that the, this idea that if you actually inhibit the, you know the, the inflammatory effect by taking either um nsaids or, or kind of like you know yeah bombarding yourself with a shit ton of vitamin c or other antioxidants like as soon as you finish your workout 
obviously it's recommended you don't do that because you may not see as good adaptations um yeah i think i think there's also that's actually gone I was supposed to say, like, that that kind of plays to the fact that we need inflammation. We cannot extinguish it completely. Like, it, it's it's got a really important signaling role in our body. And if you want to um, in, build muscle, then you need inflammation. Right. Yeah, so you don't want to be quenching it with uh, anti-inflammatories. Right. Um, and I think then if you're getting, an, if you're having an anti-inflammatory diet, it's going to be less intense than slamming lots of supplements you know and so it's almost going to be kind of tailored to the right amount for your body um but supplements are going to deliver a much higher dose and that might just not be appropriate yeah and Um, i I suppose that does that go along the lines of things like um saunas or ice baths and stuff like that as well i don't know if you know a lot about those but in terms of kind of training yeah I mean, in terms of training adaptations, probably not. I know that with ice, you don't want to be doing ice for too long, for too much. So, if, um, for I, like last year was like my year of injuries. So I tore the ligaments of my ankle, uh, slipping on a wet log, building assault courses with my kids, and my ankle just like <laughs> swelled up. It was like an elephant foot. I think there's mm-hmm. photos on my Instagram, uh, and it's still it's still a bit problematic now but um I was icing it um from when the injury happened for like the first seven days but only for 15 minutes at a time because if you ice it for more than that then you actually start to get like necrosis and this sort of tissue damage happens so um it can sort of affect the resolution of the whole um injury um so but little bits of ice just kind of help reduce the inflammation because it's it's about this balance, you know, you need the cells to come in to try and clear up the damage, but you need at the same time for them to be leaving again. And, and uh, you know, it, it's about this balance and it doesn't happen perfectly. It, it depends on the tissue and the type of injury. Um, and I'm sure you know yourself, like a lot of tissues don't repair as well as others. They don't have the same blood flow and, you know, all that kind of thing and also you need to start using like the the injured tissue as soon as possible so I had to start within a week like doing a lot of balancing on the ankle and doing jumping uh hopping that kind of thing because you're getting these new foundation cells coming back in to rebuild the tissue but you have to tell them what to do um and they need to get signals from the environment of what the what kind of cell should they become so like little stem cells going in there and then they have to differentiate and become um whatever they need to be to rebuild that that joint or that ligament or whatever's been damaged cool so what can people do then so i don't know um yeah we didn't get there sorry went off on another (laughs) time too um so in terms of chronic inflammation i think most people don't need to worry uh it's probably you cannot extinguish all risk you know, inflammation is is now being linked to the biggest thing that drives aging. So it's just there's always going to be that in your environment. But realize that diet is not everything. Focus on the patterns. So something like a Mediterranean diet, you know, you can find out the guidelines for that pretty easily online. You're looking at lots of fresh fruit and vegetables, like cooking from scratch. Um, 
getting those omega-3 fats in. So if you don't eat fish, look at supplementing that or having oily fish a few times a week, depending on um, whatever your preference is. Realize that exercise is one of the best anti-inflammatory things that we can do. Um, yeah, minimize NSAIDs and steroids, um, things like antibiotics that could impact your microbiome. So only take these if they're like completely necessary. Um, think about dietary fiber is actually an anti-inflammatory. Um, and, you know, sleep and stress, you know, get get those under control and, and realize that you ha if you have the odd bad day, like it's not going to break the whole system and, you know, send your inflammation levels it's, going it's, wild it's suddenly not going to turn into the most inflamed person in the world yeah <laughs> exactly and like one food or you know you know one night of like eating all the fast food is not gonna um yeah leave you full of fire those adverts i see online tell me otherwise though these five foods <laughs> you must avoid for inflammation oh, i know I just think, well, imagine if you just ate those five foods and that was all you did. You'd just probably feel quite sad and the stress of like that would actually probably be more triggering for inflammation. Because <laughs> <laughs> you feel so miserable eating garlic and whatever it is. Yeah, um, yeah and, it, and it's about everything all together. It's the composite. Some foods have both anti inflammatory components inside them and, you know, it conveniently comes packaged like that probably for a reason mm -hmm. I, I think it's refreshing that basically what you're saying is do what you should do to eat like an adult and kind of be a healthy healthy adult it's kind of like you know eat plenty of fruit and veg do a bit of exercise yeah. manage your stress and sleep it's like brilliant <laughs> yeah exactly i mean it sounds like fairly straightforward on paper but i do feel like modern life is is Sorry, it's my, my Siri does this every now and then. I should not record in the kitchen. <laughs> I feel like, you know, what? Shut up! Fucking hell, sorry. Modern life is hard, you know, and it's stressful. And I mean, cortisol, which is the key stress hormone, is intrinsically anti-inflammatory. We switch on when we're stressed to shut off inflammation because we've got, you know, things to be stressed about. But if we are stressed all the time, it actually kind of wears out the brakes and it doesn't work anymore. So um, it can have the opposite effect and be more pro-inflammatory. So, yeah, we can have the best diet, but we can be so stressed about that diet that it's, you know, negating the effects of that. Or if you're not sleeping well, you know, or you're doing a lot of intense exercise um, with adequate recovery that can be highly inflammatory because exercise by being anti-inflammatory does so by first increasing inflammation so if you're doing like you know six hit classes a week without any time to recover then that's probably not going to be very um anti-inflammatory so it's kind of all all in balance no i think um the the longer this um episode's gone on the more i realize how complicated it is and <laughs> I say that how complicated it is. However, it actually feels like the solution in air quotes is not that complicated because if anyone's telling you that inflammation is, you know, your your problem in your diet is the, you know, it is the inflammation. It's the your the types of food you're eating is inflammatory and this type of stuff. Feels like actually, 
it's quite a simple solution to one don't listen to it and two just kind of feel like focus on the things you know you should already be doing anyway yeah and and it's about all of them isn't it it's the sleep and the and the stress and the food and the exercise there's not sort of one that's you know more important than the other and I mean this is talking about people who are sort of healthy adults obviously but some people who have um like an autoimmune condition or something then maybe things are slightly different for them they're coming from a different sort of baseline yeah for sure sure yeah i guess it's probably a good good caveat really we probably should have started with in terms of you know you're speaking about <laughs> general population that don't, don't have any kind of specific issues like mm. autoimmune disease and stuff so cool um is there anything else that you kind of feel that we should cover i know i feel like we got in a lot actually within yeah. like an hour yeah, yeah we're, we're an hour in, so, no that is, that is, um... the conclusion is the thing people don't want to hear because they don't I know. Want, oh yeah, just take this one pill and you're sorted. It's like, oh man, I, I, could, I, I wish I could say something different. No, but <laughs> but I do think that you know the omega three fats are important, and perhaps <clears throat> many people don't um, maybe eat as much oily fish, or for whatever reason, don't eat any oily fish. So I think then you should definitely be be looking at supplements for that. All all the experts in the field that we've ever spoken to have always come to that conclusion, pretty much. It's never right. the extremes of anything. It's like it's there in the middle. Sleep, <laughs> stress a bit, eat tidy. You know, don't eat too much. Try not to be overweight, yeah. and you'll be all right. Generally, even though the back end is complicated about what all works, the solution is yeah. best. not. It's wrong. It's not wrong. Exactly. For people who want to make it hard, that it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that's a good roundup, Johnny. Well done, mate. Oh yeah. I don't speak much, but I speak all right when I speak. I speak all right, Donnie. Um, right. Well, um, Janet, thank you so much. Uh, I no found problem. this amazing. Thanks actually. for having I, me. I, no, you're welcome. I've I've learned so much, and I still feel like I know nothing. So that says a lot about the topic, doesn't it? <laughs> but before you go, um, mm-hmm. we like to have a bit more fun with guests. So non-nutrition or non-topic. All right, it's not fun. Uh-oh. But this could this, this basically I've got this new book. Um, which is, <laughs> I think. Oh, every, what is it? I didn't see that. Uh, sorry, I've got this weird Zoom thing on. I don't know that doesn't it. Basically, it's a book oh, by, by by Richard Herring, and it's Emergency Questions One Thousand and One. Um, mm. Conversation savers for every occasion. So I thought this would be a funny <laughs> book to for have to when when we have guests, basically get mm-hmm. them to shout me a number between one and a thousand and one, uh, and I then basically read out the question, and you have to answer it. Now, just mm. for context, the questions, I think, I've said this before, but I think they're all questions he's asked people on his podcast. So some of them do not turn out very well, which is what Johnny's referring to. Um, but we will try. We'll make it work. <laughs> some of them are really funny. Some of them are not so much. So um, let's just keep our fingers crossed. So do you want to shout me a number between 1 and 1,001? Wow. Let's go for 150. 150. Five zero. Five zero. Five zero. Right. Hundred and fifty is um right. What do you make of the strangers around us? What do you imagine their lives and relationships are like? That's a really 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 see this is why sometimes it doesn't really work. <laughs> um you can uh, just choose something on the page that looks <laughs> not not too dark. <laughs> uh okay, what is the sexist language? That's not too dark. Oh, I think Italian. It, Italiano. So yeah. It, it, it actually Maybe told I'm me. It, 
<laughs> yeah, maybe. It did tell me I had to reply in the language that you... Um, uh, well, actually, it said speak fluently, which, unfortunately, I can't speak Italian fluently. If you'd have said <laughs> Spanish, maybe a little piece, but... Um, okay, mm-hmm. uh, let's go for another number. Let's try another one. If it doesn't work, we'll, we'll, we'll give it Okay, let's go for 500. 500, you like round numbers. Does that say a lot about your personality, that you like round numbers? <laughs> um, uh, I'm, gonna just, I'm sorry, I'm just prerequisite reading it. Uh, okay, um... He's obviously referring to two people on interview that he's had, but he's basically saying that they chatted about how as a kid, if you travel abroad, you always learn foreign swear words from the kids there. Can you remember any of the swear words you were taught? Um, no, actually I can't. I do remember um, being told a Greek swear word, but I can't remember how you pronounce it. Now. <laughs> I think it was Greek for wanker. Uh, maybe somebody knows what that is isn't it now i've heard this before isn't it something like malacca or yeah that that sounds familiar that's probably not true though and it's probably one of these made up uh myths yeah exactly have you got how about any italian swear words do you know any italian oh no don't know well i I lost it all now i used to live in switzerland for a long time there's lots of italian people there the one is one of their languages but i was also learning german at the same time and then i moved back to the uk and like it's evaporated from my brain (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) um in terms of your so i'm gonna i'm gonna investigate this accent a little bit so would i be right in saying obviously it's scottish oh yes yeah haven't lived there for long time but originally from rural scotland on a little okay. farm so there's scottish there there's uh well swiss or switzerland swiss um mm-hmm. is there anything else in there An italian family name yeah that's about it it's very diverse very diverse A bit of mediterranean yeah <laughs> mediterranean diet <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, as I say, it was brilliant. Um, do you want to shout out your socials um, or best place anyone want to get in contact? Um, anything else you want to either plug or talk about? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, best place to find me probably Instagram, which is Dr. Dr. Underscore Jenna Underscore Machoki, which is M A C C I O C H I. Uh, also sometimes around on Twitter Dr Jmac M-A-C-C um, and yeah a shout out because I'm bringing out a book uh, which I wrote last year uh, about the immune system kind of like dispelling myths and yeah oh, amazing I talk about a lot about exercise actually I collaborated with a professor of exercise immunology Michael Gleason so yeah lots of exercise a whole chapter on food and stress and yeah all these different things my oh. last um uh so yeah that's out in april 16th it's called immunity the science of staying well oh wow is it, right. is it any kind of like pre-orders or anything available yet is it really oh for... yes uh, on amazon yeah i think you can do a pre-order okay. i should I'll... really get better at plugging this don't worry <laughs> I, I'll, I'll find it and i'll i'll stick a link in the show notes because um yeah, oh, anyone interested you. in this topic, I'm sure, but it sounds like it's going to be uh, a good read. So, Oh, wonderful. Yeah, that would be great. Thanks for having me on, lads. No, no, you're, uh, you're more than welcome. Obviously, the pleasure is ours, definitely. So, um, <laughs> say we've got to learn a lot, and it didn't cost us anything, which is a good thing. 
Say again, mate. Found the book on Amazon. Oh, Johnny's, oh, found it. Johnny's already bought it. Wow. Oh. <laughs> My first customer. Where, when's it out? Sorry, what date was it? In April, did you say? April 16th, yeah. That, that I sounds... know, I should really be getting the PR thing going, but I've just been a bit... You should, you should. Well, we'll, we'll, with we'll definitely help. <laughs> I will definitely help. I get on um, I will tell Johnny, it sounds like it could be good reading for being a, in cause for your wedding. So, mm. yeah. If you're ever down in Brighton, definitely give me a shout. Wow. Um, I, uh, am I near there soon? I might be near there soon, actually. I'll, I'll let you know if I am. That'd be nice cool. to meet in person. So, mm -hmm. um, Cool. Right. Well, on that note, it's late. Everyone wants to get to sleep and reduced inflammation. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, go get your sleep. <laughs> right. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you. Again soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.